What you missed on Weekend Mornings with Jason Dacey. Music by singing at a football benefit in, uh, in Melbourne, I think it was, for one of the football clubs there. And she sang Locomotion at the time. Uh, everybody loved it. Uh, Greg Petherick and Amanda Pellman were instrum- instrumental in um, bringing her on the back of that to Mushroom Records. Uh, once she got to Mushroom Records, they signed her on the back of her neighbours' um, popularity and then she got in with a manager called Terry Blamey who sort of steered her career for the next 28 years. And what a career it's been. But, you know, going back to those early days in the 1980s, you're from Melbourne like Kylie Minogue is from Melbourne as well. You, you know, you know the family well. So, you know, when, when I, can, I can remember when she was in the, in the Soap Neighbours, which is incredibly popular all around the world. It even came to Singapore, very popular in the UK. And in a way, it came off the back of her acting career that she had this recording career. And we all thought there would just be a sort of a flash in the pan, but it turned out to be something quite different. It did. Um, you know, the, the, success, the success at the time was also sort of propelled very much so by the Neighbours phenomenon. Um, but she had the chops and she had the ability to keep churning out the singles. And I think at one point in time in, in the UK, she had 21 consecutive top top number one singles. So, wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Uh, yeah. she had. I think she, she at one point the only person who had more was Madonna um, in, in terms of female recording artists. So she's... Um, She's had a very carefully uh, constructed career as well. Like, um, you know, when there was times where she couldn't fill stadiums, she, she went and did the gay clubs. Mm. So um, she could have gone and done uh, just standard clubs, but then she would have been a club act. But by just uh, managing to do the smaller gigs in more alternative crowds, she kept herself still fresh for stadiums as well. Um, there's an, a number of really big key points in her career, though, I guess. It's, you know, at the start with locomotion, I should be so lucky. Um, and that was Stock Aikman and Waterman, wasn't it? Who yeah. were a real pop machine with the likes of Rick Astley and, and many other ones. We're talking about that 1987, 88, 89 period where she was very manufactured then and it was part of a, a machine almost. And then we, I guess we questioned whether she actually had any music talent and, and as you say, the chops to become a big star. Absolutely. Um, at that time, I remember when she recorded I Should Be So Lucky, she never actually heard the song in its entirety until it was actually finished. Um, she sat in Stock Aitman and Waterman for a week and they would just say, okay, sing this line, sing that line, sing that line. <laughs> right. Really? They, so they actually sung it in parts because you were so busy? Is that, is that what happened? I think at the, at the time they were so busy more, right. more than she. It was a, that was her first attempt with Stock Aitman and Waterman and she got there and she sort of sat around for most of the week wondering what's going on and then in, they brought her in and then they just started just getting her to record lines and she didn't actually hear the song in its entirety until it was like in a, in a test pressing. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was an, that was an interesting time for her and, and, and also for music. Um, as yeah, well. I lived in the UK at that time and I can remember that period and there was a definite sound to Stock Aikman and Waterman tracks. And of course, Rick Astley was the one that really comes to mind. And, uh, you know, I think Kylie being associated with them gave her that initial start, right? Initial push. Hmm. But it also... Um gave her credibility a little bit of a whack at the time as well and you know people were wondering can she, as you just said can she sing can she not sing so you know she had to go out and do it live to prove everybody that she had the voice because you know there was a lot of question marks over it and i remember her very first uh, live performance for the tour that we did we um, we did a warm up show at a place called the Cadillac Bar in Melbourne um and we called uh under a secret name and the secret name we used was the singing budgies <laughs> and that's why the nickname stuck. Yeah. Well, no. Um, we we it was it was like it was embracing a bad name, like someone in a, a journalist or whatever just called her a singing budgie. 
Um, so rather than getting all angry about it, she embraced it and we called the band The Singing Budgies and her v- very first show, which was a secret show but wasn't so secret in the end. They had to block the street because of the people trying to get into the show um, was, was The Singing Budgies. That's incredible. Wow. So you were on that uh, first uh, world tour, Enjoy Yourself World Tour, with talking with Brad Cox, who was the tour coordinator for that tour. So tell us about the tour, how it was planned and how it went down. It was well. It was an interesting tour. Um, there was some very unusual elements to it. We had a bass player by the name of James Freud at the time. Yeah, big star from Australia. Yeah, and he was um, looking for a gig, and he was friends of Kylie through Michael, and um, so he came on the, on the road as well. Uh, halfway through the tour, we did the John Lennon Memorial Concert in Liverpool. Uh, it was the 10th anniversary of John Lennon's death and Yoko Ono had organised a concert there. And so it would be 1990. I think John Lennon died in December 1980. So yep. it would have been December 1990. And, and that was on the docks in Liverpool and each artist could do one John Lennon song. So um, Kylie did help. Um, but the artists there, there was Lenny Kravitz, Lou Reed, um, you know, it was just uh, that showed that she was getting in some big company by that point, you know, because uh, I think her recording career probably began what two or three years before that. Yeah, and but the um, the the major artists always had a soft spot for her, even when she was a cheesy pop star. Mm-hmm. They kind of like the Nick Caves, and you know, a lot of people, a lot of credibility. Uh, Michael Hutchins, obviously, yeah, the lead, um, former lead singer of In Excess, who sadly died uh, around twenty years ago. Yeah, they, you know that. They all had a soft spot for her. She was kind of kind of cute but kish. And then uh, she grew into herself over the years and then became very cool and you know, very much a style icon as well. And a lot of her film clips and things like that were very um, – had a lot of very cool elements to them. And, you know, she did – uh, there's a – one of her film clips was directed by Gondry. Mm-hmm. Um you know, another one had a really great Barbarella theme, and if you're you know, a fan of the '60s sort of films, you would know where that was coming from. But, yes. So, um, yeah, she, she became very stylish, and then she was embraced by the fashion world. And uh, she was always very likable. I think that's what you'd say about her. I mean, her character in Neighbours was likable, and and the way that she portrays herself, she doesn't take herself too seriously. I think we've seen that. And I know you've uh, met up with her when she came to Singapore for the Singapore Grand Prix back in the end of, uh, I think it was September 2016. And So you've seen her evolve. I mean, how has she changed? Um, in some ways, she hasn't. In some ways, like, as you said, she's, um, she was very likable and she's still incredibly likable and friendly. Um, and that hasn't taken away. Like, as you said, when I saw her at the Grand Prix, I think it was in 2016, you know, the first thing she screams out is, there's a blast from the past. You know, it's like she doesn't yeah. f- remember or forget the people that she used to know. And she hasn't changed in that respect. She has matured as an artist, though, of course, and she has matured as a fashion icon and everything else. But that person mm. from Camberwell and Victoria is still pretty much in there, if you know what I mean. Yeah. 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 And she's a wonderful person. She's probably one of the best bosses I ever had. She's, you know, generous. She's kind. She's funny. She's friendly. She's good to hang out with. And talk about some of the changes in her career that she's taken, some of the bold moves that she's made to maintain her popularity because everyone thought she'd be a flash in the pan. If you predicted anything in that period, you'd say, oh, this is just a couple of songs and then Kylie's going to go back to acting or do something else. But here she is. She's able to fill out arenas and she's incredibly popular and she's invited to come to the Singapore Grand Prix to play alongside the legends because she is uh, the greatest uh, recording artist of Australian history. She's... um. She's done a bunch of really interesting things over the years and in some respects all sorts of music. But what's really maintained her career, I believe, this is mainly my theory, um, 
has been the dance songs. Um, if you look back at the periods of where she was extremely popular, it was the locomotion, I should be, I should be said, lucky period. And then it kind of it was quite quiet for a few years until she hit spinning around. Spinning around kind of revitalized her career at that point, and then Can't Get You Out of My Head was another. And that was an incredibly catchy uh, song that uh, people, I mean, I could still got it in my brain now. It just has that na na na, that mm. kind of thing. That, you know, it's just because the hook, the pop hooks, she has something that makes her so sticky, doesn't it? Yeah, and that, that song was written by Kathy Dennis. I don't know if you remember Kathy Dennis, but she, she herself was an 80s pop star yep. and had a big song called Walls. And she wrote, Can't Get You Out of My Head. Um, yeah, there's a certain stickiness to the song she has. I like her new songs at the moment. She's got a great new song called Dancing, which is on a, her new album called Golden. Um, and it's um, it's a little bit different. It's, it's not so dancey, spinning around and can't get you out of my head. But it's um, it's it's got a lot of hooks to it and a bit of a country feel. I kind of like it. Yeah, well, this is Money FM and, you know, she's a phenomenon when it comes to making money. You know, talk about that side of things, the commercial element of Kylie, why she's so marketable and appealing. Well, with her record company, Mushroom Records, who is one of Australia's most foremost record companies, the accounts department there talk about two periods in the in the company's history, and it's pre-Kylie and post-Kylie. Like, wow. The money that Kylie generated, particularly for that record company, has enabled so many artists in Australia to get their break. You know, and, and you know, you, back in the days, there used to be these like indie artists who would diss Kylie and things like that, but the whole reason that the record company could fund their demo or their album was because of the money that they made on Kylie. So um, her contribution to, to music, especially Australian music and especially for Mushroom Records, is phenomenal. And it's, um, there's a lot of artists out there now who have careers because of the money that she generated for that record company. And what's the way forward? You know, the Rolling Stones are still rocking in their mid-70s. Kylie's turning 50 this week. Is she going to keep going? Yeah, she, she turns 50 tomorrow. Um I don't see her slowing down at all. Um, you know, I've heard her talk about taking breaks and stuff over the years, but every time that happens, you know, two weeks later, three weeks later, something big happens and she moves on again. Um, you know, she is kind of timeless. She, she looks fantastic for her age. Indeed. Um, you know, and, um, you know, I don't see her slowing down anytime soon. This new album is very strong, so um, I'm sure she's going to be touring on the back of that. Yeah, she's based in London, of course, lives in uh, Chelsea, I believe, in the posh part of London. We see her here in Singapore from time to time. Many thanks to Brad Cox, former tour coordinator for Kylie Minogue. Wish Kylie a happy 50th birthday this week. You're listening to Money FM 89.3.
FM 89.3. Stay ahead. One, 